Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Done Deal Show. Uh, my name is Tanashi Chipone. I'm the co-host with... Hi, guys. <laughs> my name is Tanji Bakeng, co-host of Done Deal. Super excited to have Mary with us today. Hi. Yes, good to have you, Mary. And uh, Mary is the head of uh, growth at Locker. And yeah, so I just want to start, you know, we love starting these with just kind of getting to know you. You can tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. I so appreciate that LinkedIn has become the place for people to network and it's no longer weird to send messages and get to know people. Um, so thanks for reaching mm -hmm. out. But yeah, I'm Mary Grace. I'm head of growth at Locker. It's an online shopping startup. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as Pinterest, but shoppable and very social. I joined a few months ago. Before that, I have a background in actually live streaming. So oh. super exciting to be on this side of the camera, but also had some experience working at a different online shopping app. So thanks for okay. having me. Of course. And today's uh, interesting and fun topic we're talking about today is the future trend of UGC marketing and the impact it has on creative technology. And I think when we were discussing with you, that was a very interesting twist at the end in terms of uh, technology. So we're really going to dive into this. And especially, you know, as the Dundeal show, we're focused on, you know, having that perspective for talent managers, but then how can brands, influencers and other marketers be able to uh, use this? So this is really exciting to help other managers out there to really kind of understand how to look at the influencer in other angles. So I'm so excited for this. So to get started, you know, Let's just kind of talk about the basis because, you know, we have a lot of people that listen that also we have marketers. We also have a lot of new first timer managers or people that are looking to make that jump. Or maybe they're working at a brand and wanted to start their own talent management. So what is user generated content and how has it impacted the media landscape? Yeah. So I like to think about user generated content or UGC for short as the same way we think about how advertising has blown up with influencer marketing. Like the OG form of advertising was word of mouth, right? You would talk to your neighbors, find out if they recommended a product genuinely because you, you trust their word. The initial partnerships with brands used to be celebrities, athletes, big time people who, it's not to say you trusted them, but you just admired them so much. You'd buy or do almost anything they said. But then we saw bloggers come about. And then with the pandemic, because of TikTok and lots of people going viral, we suddenly saw this rise of the creator economy. But in order for people to become creators, it still comes down to that word of mouth, that genuine review. That's why people mm. follow the creators they love, buy the products and sell out products because they love that person. So UGC, I think, is just getting back to that core. What do real people, users, but really real people say about products, services, and that's just getting back to that core, but also it's becoming democratized because of social platforms. Everyone has a way to put their opinion out there. There's more than just Yelp to leave reviews. There's more than just Facebook. There's now LinkedIn that people are posting their actual reviews on things. TikTok. So I think user-generated content just is the next frontier as more and more people want to share their opinions online. How talent managers can use, you know, like these formats to increase maybe like the partnerships that their own creators have with brands. Uh, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, so I think right now, because influencer pricing is is experiencing some shifts, uh, we initially saw that creators could charge a lot. But now that it's becoming so oversaturated with so many creators, 
And a lot of creators, even like myself, I'm a micro creator, we're more willing to accept partnerships that are just based on a gifted product, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm happy to receive a makeup product. I'm not going to charge a brand if I, it's a product I genuinely wanted anyways. So given that there's so many more people entering the market, I think that influencers and their managers need to also start differentiating different forms of income as well, because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So it's good to have that media mix of affiliate commission, UGC, and paid deals. So when it comes to if we're assuming someone is a big enough creator that they would have a talent manager, then they're likely going to want to engage with a brand that they genuinely love and has already been on their channel. Maybe it's a brand they've already even been paid to work with in the past. But now I think it makes sense to start locking in those long-term UGC style partnerships where they say, we trust you. We trust your voice and your tone. We trust you to come up with five pieces of content this month. We don't need to see it to sign off on it because we've already seen what you're capable of and we know you love Mm. the product. But that's the style of content I think we're going to see a lot more of. Have you been blown away by UGC content that you saw like the creative was so innovative that you were like, oh, boom, this is this is a form of art. Yeah, um, a few creators I've worked with come to mind who are my favorite style creator to give free reign to because I trust that they'll bring that level of storytelling. One of my favorite creators to work with is someone named Olivia Marcus. And I think it must be her background in journalism and storytelling. Like she has a literal degree in it because you see Mm -hmm. this and the quality of her content. You're watching a day in the life video before you've even realized, oh my God, that was an ad. (laughs) It should feel as though you don't even know when the product is integrated. It should be so seamless. And that's because brands trust her to do that. And that's saving those brands and the talent manager so much time and avoiding so much back and forth editing and thoughts here and there if they just trust the creator to run with it. But that being said, you can't give that type of partnership style to every creator because some you do really have to handhold through that and you do have to be explicit what your goals are, your KPIs are, because some really do need that back and forth for you to explicitly share your vision. And then others with that storytelling art, you can just kind of say, all right, take my money. We trust you. And we'll see the results at the end of the month. And then I'm curious, you know, from that is kind of understanding, like, from the other side, right? You talked about how it needs to be authentic. We're kind of looking at, you know, building that trust to where it's easy for you to integrate. Um, What are other key components that you've noticed that help you pick one over another, right? Because a lot of UGC, what we've noticed, they tend to be a little more entrepreneurial than the way they're doing more outreach, outbound, right? Having to kind of show brands and working with them compared to these massive macros where everything is inbound essentially for them. So even the way it's different. So when you're getting all this, you know, in your history, seeing people pitching themselves, what are key indicators that make you go like, okay, they're all great and they all make great content, but I'm going to put my gamble in these, I bet in these two or three of the total 10 or anything like that. Yeah, well, for starters, are they following our social media account? Do they have a login? Or if you're a DTC brand, have they purchased the product before? Have you seen them talk about it? It's leaving Easter eggs. And Easter eggs is a term that Maggie Rose, who or Maggie Sellers is her full name. Definitely look into her on LinkedIn. Those watching, she is excellent. But she says a lot of even bigger creators are having to leave Easter eggs in their content 
which is essentially user-generated content, a free ad for a brand in hopes of being able to nurture and eventually pitch themselves to the brand because then they can show a track record of that natural product integration. But if you're a creator or a talent manager pitching this creator to a brand, cold turkey saying, here's all the great things we could do for your brand, but we've never even tried the product or bothered to make an account on your app, that is a lot harder to take the risk. And plus, it might not be authentic for them because they've never even tried it. How do we know that they're love it? So creators, especially smaller ones who are a little scrappier and, and more willing, I think, to put in that work early on are going out of their way to show they've been using the product, sometimes even suggesting feedback, showing I'm going to be a, a committed user and consumer just as much as I am a vocal advocate, too. And it resonates a lot with what we talk about in this podcast is creators should have proof on their profile that they know how to talk about a brand. Usually something that kind of bothers me is some creators and maybe talent managers remove previous ads from the profile. Really? They remove it after it's live and after the window has closed? Yeah. And, and it's, it's challenging because as a brand... You want to go in the profile and look, okay, have interact with different products, have a talk about it. You want to go in the comments and see how people reacted to it. And it's weird. It's almost like they're ashamed of those partnerships. So how do you deal with this? That's fascinating. My, my reaction is I'm assuming that maybe it's not shame about having a partnership, but maybe it's shame that it flopped because I would think as a talent manager or a creator, if you had a partnership that went really well, that would be pinned on my profile. You know, that's my way of of showing like the door is open for business brands like this is top of my resume, you know. So I think, yeah, every creator and talent manager needs to have their go to pieces of most proud content. Since I work in online shopping, a lot of the creators are also pointing out sales generated product links and clicks. So when we work with a creator, We'll ask them to share their product links and story Instagram story clicks from the past month or even three months to get a better understanding of even when you're just posting normal day in the life, what I'm wearing today, what is that interest and how can we then have a better understanding of predicting like the clicks that we're going to see when we partner? Because especially if you're a smaller brand like we are, you really want to make sure that when you're you're spending good money on an influencer partnership that you can actually predict what your CAC is going to be at the end of the month. Because if they those story clicks aren't what they, they initially said they were, then you might be in a little trouble. Mary Grace, I, I love you. You're tra- very transparent. There's no uh, BS. And I really appreciate it. My background is tech. And as an entrepreneur, you care about like tracking KPIs. I know it, it sounds bad, KPIs, but let's talk about this, you know, the keyword. KPIs Let's talk about it. And, <laughs> and, and the C world conversion, right? <laughs> and so when you deal directly with creators, I know those terms we are not necessarily familiar with, and it's hard to help them deliver what you expect. Do you have a, a better time working with standard managers on, on those things? And do they help better deliver like what you expect? Yeah. So I think. It, of course, comes down to the relationship you might have with the creator. Sometimes 
people might not even have access to their creator, which I would really push back against. I think that you need to have the most important relationship is with the talent manager, but you need to definitely have that face-to-face, that relationship with the creator as well. Because if you get them to believe in you, feel like they are your friend because they are, you want each other to mutually succeed here, you're going to see that in the quality of their content. But when it comes to actually being transparent with the creator themselves as well as with the talent manager, I find if what we're talking about is KPIs, then just dumb it down to what the thing is that we're really talking about, which is link click, link clicks, right? Like I sometimes tell them like, look, we've got a goal. At the end of the month, we're trying to hit as many downloads as possible. Like this is something they understand. Like I understand that. I'm trying to get as many views on my videos. Like perfect. We've got similar goals. So as you're filming this content, without being as clickbaity as possible, just know that what we really want is to tease out that link. So as you're filming this content, make sure that you're showing people, you know, not just telling, showing them what there is to see once they, you know, download our app, but then also make sure that they're excited to see your handprint on the app, see what you've curated there. So it's still just as much you as it is us in there. So I think people understand they get excited because then when that content does well, they're checking in with us saying, how did I do? How did I do? How many, how many downloads? And you could sometimes tell them, you know, you did good, but we're going to try again next month. (laughs) And, and they love the challenge, you know, it's not helping anyone if you're, but that's why you have to have that relationship. And I, Tineshe, I know you have another question, but let me just like follow up on this one because it's a topic that I really like. In my experience, some creators don't want to know. They don't want to know how they perform. They're almost afraid to face their influence. Am I driving traffic or not? You mentioned clicks and it's very important, but I know for small brands, sales is even more important. You know, like I want less clicks, but more sales. And I don't know how brands who are leveraging UGC start this conversation with uh, the creators or talent managers after the first campaign is like, do you ask the creator to like maybe do like free video on top of this just to get closer to the expectations or talent managers offering by themselves once you share with them the performance and vision? offer to add more content? How does it work? So to be clear, definitely against creators and talent managers for that matter, doing work, you know, for free. However, you could view it like this is this partnership. It's my dream partnership. I'm going to show this brand how much I want it because I'm close to creators who land some awesome, awesome partnerships, but they always in the back of their mind have that one that they're really working towards. So mm. although some some of these partnerships pay the bills and they're still great partnerships to have, they really are working towards whatever that goal is. So I have a friend, for example, who is trying to market herself as entering the luxury category. So even though she still works with partnerships that might fall out of that niche, she's trying to show why she is fit for that category. Sometimes mm. it's through purchasing things for herself, using and investing her own money in it and tagging those brands, even though even if they weren't gifted or paid, you sometimes do have to trickle that in to show a history of working towards that. But examples I've seen of creators maybe nudging their content along to ensure it performs better 
has been, say, they post a TikTok with a brand and then they're reposting their TikTok to their Instagram stories. That wasn't in the contract. It wasn't required, but they care enough about their content doing well that they do want to push it. So we're also exploring launching a referral program, which is more of that performance-based, users-driven. But when it comes to working with creators who are big enough to have the talent manager, we definitely want to pay them up front for that time. But they know if they put in that extra share, there's potential to even earn even more based on users-driven, affiliate-earned. Yeah. Then you find that they see it's actually worth their time and value to do that and do that extra stuff. And that's where that that's how I consider UGC. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with the Easter egg. So I guess it's interesting. I like Easter egg. It's very visual. It's easy to visualize in terms of what that looks like. And something that also we want to talk about is obviously Tonje and I, we're passionate about what we do. But at the end of the day, we're also still male. Well, we identify as male. So we always love the diversity, especially in our agency. When we're always being taxed to, you know, work with different brands. And our philosophy is whatever the audience is for or the goal, we always have someone in the room who represents that, right? So if it's background, gender, whatever it is, uh, we want to make sure we kind of always bring that representation. So having you is exciting because, you know, we curious to know from your perspective, on a woman perspective in the influencer space and you kind of being a micro UGC, what are some challenges you've noticed, you know, women are having within the space from an influencer side? And then we can talk more like, like from the marketer side as well. Yeah. So first of all, I think it's amazing that you guys are ensuring there is diversity amongst your team. And so that in any room you're in, the people you're talking with feel comfortable, feel seen. So that's awesome. Keep that up. A lot of people, a lot of agencies aren't doing that. But as a female micro creator, I would just say the main thing working against us is that it's just so oversaturated, right? So you have to work really hard to ensure that you're making yourself stand out, be it that niche, be it what makes you you, make sure that that's shown. Don't be mimicking other content that works well for others. It's not going to work well for you. Another thing I've noticed is similar to any field maybe that women are in is a hesitancy to negotiate certain rates. It's really easy to, especially when you're starting out as a micro creator, say, yeah, I'll take that product for free. I was going to buy it anyways. This is great. But you get to a certain point if you're growing where you need to stop and think, like, what's my value here? You know what? By me not charging, it's actually lowering the standard so that other people who are trying to get paid now can't just because I am choosing mm -hmm. to not get paid. So you need to be mindful as well as the other people trying. And then, of course, the third piece, which ties back into what you guys said about having a diverse agency, is that most people given opportunities, most females given opportunities are not minority members because most women working in influencer agencies are white cis female. So they, without even realizing their own bias or then their for you page looks a lot like them, you know? So the people that they are seeking out for product gifting, for PR packages, all that tend to, to look and act a lot like them. So it's super important that you surround yourself with people literally with different for you pages, different interests, different backgrounds so that you can make sure that as your brand is growing through seeding, through outreach, it's also growing out in other directions too. Yeah, that's awesome because, um, yeah, a lot of our creative strategists, when we've noticed some of the best creators we've sourced have been from someone, you know, on the team texting their group chat or looking at their For You page and then boom, kind of seeing what they consume has really helped a lot on, the, on that perspective. So that's great to hear. And especially 
also kind of curious from your perspective is when you look at the development of micros and I'm really curious of like what you mean by creative technology, right? Because I mean, there's obviously a massive talk of AI and this, but I was kind of like, when you say creative technology, the way you said, I've never really heard in that type of, you know, term. So could you kind of dig into what, what you mean by that and how that's going to impact this micro influencer and in UGC? Yeah, I think the the perfect example is CapCut. So for those listening who might not be familiar, CapCut is a video editing software owned by ByteDance, you know, TikTok. And it is totally leveling the playing field for all people interested in producing video content to have access to super high quality editing software. It's free mm. to use. And it's also very supported and promoted by TikTok, of course, sister company. So there's a reason why now when you're on TikTok, you see that the CapCut edit was used. So yeah. it's actually a, a perfect mutually beneficial partnership between TikTok, TikTok and CapCut. But the fact that CapCut is now so readily available, there's no follower minimum to use it. Anyone can use it and download it and it's free. In fact, it's literally top three in the App Store charts. Like it is up there. To me, that just shows the appetite that even the everyday person has because people are using this for more than just for fun or for content creation. They're using it for work. They're using it for cutting up podcasts. Again, all of this shows people wanting to tap into creative technology and resources at their disposal. So with that trend happening, it was really important for us at Locker to think, okay, what is our creative resource or tool we're going to offer people that's different from what's currently out there, but also that's free. And another reason we wanted to have that offer is because as of right now, we don't offer revenue share, meaning commission. We definitely intend to launch that soon. But until then, we wanted to offer a product feature that's genuinely just so helpful for people that it's something they might be currently paying to use otherwise. So what we ended up launching was a collage tool. So think of it like this. You're shopping online. You're looking for a shirt. You're not sure what it's going to go with based on what's already in your closet, other things in your shopping cart. You're able to literally visualize that as a co cohesive outfit collage. And so what we've seen is since it's launched a couple weeks ago, thousands of our users using this to, to decide if they're going to buy products, but also to have content that they can put on social media that doesn't require them to talk, to put on makeup, to have to put their face out there. So it's a nice bridge for someone who's been considering getting into content. They have pride in their personal style, but they also don't really see themselves being a get ready with me as I tell you this personal life story. So we want to help people start to explore their creativity. We talk about the future. We talk about technology and creativity. What do you think? And it's not necessarily the view of your company. It's more like your personal views of like chat GBT, mid journey, this AI generated type of creative and content. And where do you see like the future for UGC content and, you know, those partnerships with brands. Yeah, I love that tie-in. So I think that the democratization of content and UGC very naturally leads to the dem democratization of commerce, right? Because with so many people, even people without skilled backgrounds or degrees or experience in things like video editing, content production, now having access to producing long-form blogs, 
through ChatGPT and people having all these free resources at their disposal, it very naturally turns to how do you monetize that and people seeing this as potentially goldmine. I don't know if you guys have seen on TikTok after this search, ChatGBT AI millionaire. My whole for you page mm-hmm. is people saying, if I don't, yeah, if I don't get in on this now, I'm gonna potentially miss out on my opportunity to be a millionaire. It's all these people deciding how trying to figure out and soak in every resource they can on how can you use these new free creative technology tools to get rich quick, which I personally would love to, you know, be a millionaire. However, am I willing to use ChatGBT to write thousands of product reviews as like my get rich quick? No, I still want to apply it to what I'm interested in, but it just opens a huge door. And it also shows that for people who have been using video editing tools and skilled writers, those degrees have been pretty gatekept. And now the floodgates open. So I think the people who've been used to having the luxury of access to those tools are going to start to sweat a little bit, but that's okay. I think giving everyone access is is awesome. It's pr- going to produce a lot of competition and it's going to produce, I think, the highest level of content that we've seen. What it's amazing is some creator will be able to produce UGC content with animation and create like a world that you cannot expect and integrate your brand in it. I think the level of production creativity would just like explode and is giving opportunities to people who don't necessarily have contacts. You know, like you don't have a friend working in a post-production studio and now you can do it with your computer. Exactly. Adobe Premiere is expensive. In college, I remember it was fantastic. My university gave us access to it. But as soon as we graduated, that got revoked. And I'm like, well, how do I edit my content (laughs) on my resume? So I think we haven't even come to terms with this next wave of content that's going to be produced. It might be me dreaming, but I think some brands with lower budgets would be quite smart to partner with like UGC creators and say like, okay, we don't have a huge budget, but we'll send you a MacBook Pro. We will equip you because there's so much thing you can do with your phone, you know, at some point. And you will have this computer for a year. We might also, you know, like compensate you, give you some money, but at least you have equipment because think about the minorities, women, people of color, LGBTQ+. It's just like, you don't always have the resources to be able to produce this content. So I think it could be a smart way also for brands with lower budget to support creators. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that investing, you're talking about giving them a laptop, that's an investment in those creators will go a long way. TikTok is doing a lot to show they're investing in certain niche communities and minority communities to uplift those groups. I think that people see that and therefore have a lot of respect for the brand. And again, it shows in the content they produce because of that genuine affinity for the brand. Yeah, I'm curious too from your thoughts because uh, so I I was a YouTuber back in 2017. An OG, nice. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, at Premier Pro, I'm here on Photoshop doing the whole thing. You know, you fast forward COVID, everything happens. Uh, Last year, we had an influencer house. So we had uh, seven influencers in LA and it was so interesting because they're supposed to be editing, you know, long form. I go up, everyone's on their phone, (laughs) like, right? Just like 
I'm like, you guys don't use Premiere Pro, you know, like we're willing to give you Premiere Pro. Like, oh, it's easier on my phone to do, you know. And it's interesting because the question I have for you is I'm seeing my feed of, hey, I turned, created this, you know, uh, scene using this AI and this one connected with this. My question is, if there's going to be such an influx of content, then where's the quality or where's the like, I know one thing I always say, like an experiment we did is on my LinkedIn I started around, was it November, September time where I would post every day. It was very much me. Content was going great. Then we switched it. We started doing chat GPT. So it was my seed thought with said chat GPT and then kind of did that. And then we did like full blown only AI for a bit just to test. What we noticed was organically, it was whenever I touched it or originally it did way better than any type of AI. But then that's like writing. But then when you see visuals, it's like, crap, can anyone really just create a scene like this and that and this? So from your thoughts of like, what's then the the competition and what's better than that? Because they're almost basically entering like the Unreal Engine and, you know, and Blizzard. Yeah. Like this technology is so close to take over and even ruin those industries. So where do you see the competition and who's going to be better or what? Like, what are those factors you think will make one person's, you know, content better than others? Well, I think it's going to further add tension to the whole transparency debate. So I don't know if you guys saw, but the fashion brand Jacquemez did an AI campaign, an organic campaign. They just posted on their account and it was purses as cars driving through Paris. But they were so realistic. It blew up in the comments. Is this real? What's your marketing budget? Oh my God, this is fake. And then people saying, you really need to disclose that this is AI. Because we all just got excited. It was fake? Yeah, exactly. It was fake. But we could say what a great campaign. It got people talking. My reaction was, what can we be doing as a brand right now to tap into something similar? Is it superimposing our ad on a Times Square billboard? Is it putting our product in the hands of a celebrity in a movie? Is it like there's there's definitely ways you can tap into it. But at the same time, you do have to be aware of how people do feel betrayed, you could lose that trust if you aren't disclosing when things are AI generated. Of course, people, you will always upset someone, but be mindful of. So basically what you're saying that we are already living in the matrix because I thought this, like this video was real. I'm from Paris. So I was like, no, this is... is You ran outside. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to... So I'm sorry to let your, your hopes down. It was not real. Um, oh, but wow. it is a very good opportunity for them to maybe one day make that a real installation because people were so excited about it. You know, in terms of the everyday content we'll see, like I'm right now using a ring light. I feel like that's even an advancement in the quality of content. It's not making a huge difference, but like when we're using HD yeah. camera, because we agree it increases the quality. I do worry, though, if, if people go so overboard, over-utilizing CapCut and video editing and this and that, that we're going to probably then swing back to wanting, oh, I just want to feel like we're on a FaceTime. I don't want you to be all done up and all hyper-edited. I do kind of crave that authenticity. So that being said, I don't think every creator is going to jump into that. I think some will kind of keep their own brand if their brand is being that all-natural, transparent, relatable person. So, pros and Yeah, it's almost like, I know, um, like kind of the wave of all-natural skincare, less, you know, products as an example, it's not going into tech. Like, yeah, I 
I create my content with less tech involved, which is interesting because when you look at CGI, you know, people have always, you know, done these type of things. It seems that because the democratization of making it where anyone can do it, now people are like, okay, now we need to start to disclose because it used to be this elite thing that you needed to have a whole studio to do a whole team. But now because it's becoming like that, because I know in the UK, I believe they pass it now where influencers have to disclose when they put on a filter and things like that to also help on that perspective. So yeah, so that's, it, is, it is interesting of a component. I'm curious of like brands that are listening, what can they do, right? So, because it seems like there's so many TikToks and, hey, use this site and then you connect it to this and that and feel like, man, uh, there needs to be a Zapier for one of these type of products. But what are things brands could do to access and use it now and not just in the, like a use chat GPT, but like the visual stuff that you think, hey, you're, you're a small business in middle of Wisconsin, whatever, use this and, you know, develop X, Y, and Z or any favorite tech you're seeing out there. Yeah, so I think brands can utilize two things. One is themselves utilize creative technology and the other is utilize their consumers UGC, right? So if you're a small team, and let's say you've got one person, maybe it's even an intern running social, you should be encouraging them to experiment, right? And you can't be letting them know that there's wrong moves here. So you need to create a culture in which the more reps you get out there, the closer you are to really finding your group. So that's trying longer form content, more polished content, using tools like CapCut, tapping into when brands like the Barbie campaign, I don't know if you guys saw recently, to promote the new Barbie movie, they actually released a free filter online. So anyone could become the new Barbie filter. Yeah, I saw it on LinkedIn too. It, it spread all the way to LinkedIn. <laughs> right. But the funny thing is people didn't realize at first that that tool was available. So people were Photoshopping, spending hours adding their faces to that tool when it was a free tool available. So that's another step in marketing your own creative tools. Make sure they're you. So that's one thing is create that culture of curiosity, trying trying all the different tools out there. But the second is if you're a brand and you already have a community. Now, this is probably only going to work if you already have a community that loves you, provides feedback, follows your socials. And I'm not talking big. I'm talking any number. A hundred people will do, right? Turn to them, I think, first for UGC. But the main thing is you have to invest in them. So... Mm. I'm not suggesting give them all a laptop. Like we talked about earlier, not everyone has the budget for that. But there's little ways you can can invest in them. For example, Olipop, the soda brand, tried out what I thought was a really, it was an innovative idea, but it wasn't executed to the level it could have been. And it resulted in some semi-negative feedback. So for example, they're a D2C soda pop brand, pretty pricey. It's like 35 bucks for 12 cans, right? They say, if you love Olipop, which people do, then we want to reward you for it. So you join our program, we'll pay you for views posting about Olipop. But the key thing is you have to be buying the Olipop and you're only paid on views. So instead of relying on those views, I think a nice first step, some low-hanging fruit for people to work towards would have been even a coupon code to buy more Olipop. So... There was a lot of people pushing back saying, so wait, we're buying your product and we're basically doing free promotion for you? Like consumers are smart enough. Even the consumers who desperately want to be creators are smart enough to see when, oh, I think that if you're a brand wanting to experiment with that, you do have to be willing to invest in the early short term to really get the ball 
rolling. So as Lockers ex- experimenting with the referral program, running a referral program was my main my main priority in my past job. You have to have to give people like that first prize and it needs to be attainable. You need to give them a taste and it needs to feel like it's worth their while so that they want to keep going. So you have to show them that you're willing to invest in them and appreciate them for being a loyal customer. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So my grace, like, thank you so much for all your wisdom, your time, and also for exploring the future with us. Where can we find you online and uh, reach out to you? Because I know that a lot of talent managers and marketing executives would want to reach out to you and also learn more about your company. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I'm Mary Grace Scully on LinkedIn, but I'm Mary G. Scully on all of my socials and on Locker as well. That's my shopping profile. Perfect. Thanks again, Mary. I appreciate it. I will say I am guilty. I've ordered a lot of Olipop, Angopop, <laughs> and Poppy. But uh, so it's, it is delicious, hundred uh, percent. But I uh, once again thank you again for your time. You were I loved energy and the passion that you bring. And uh, for those of you listening right now, you're listening to the, the past recording afterwards. But uh, like we talked about connecting with you. But yeah, good, good to having you, and we'll chat with you soon. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.